Good morning and welcome to Grace. I'm Pastor Ryan. Even though we'll be back next week, today is essentially the end of our three-month series called Do Good, where we will introduce one of the final concepts of God's plan to help us reach the nations. We will see that God's plan is grace-filled from beginning to end, and that it is our duty, really a humble responsibility, to walk in the work that he has already equipped us with. Thanks for going on this journey with us as we seek to be those who do good. It was two years ago I had the privilege and challenge of being the fifth and sixth graders uh, football coach. I wasn't the head coach, thankfully. Jeff White had to carry that across. I got to be the assistant, but he... Uh, somehow made me the offensive coordinator, so not sure, not sure how that happened either. But let me tell you something about fifth and sixth graders. They've, they've not put on the pads before, or the cleats, or the gloves. And so part of the challenge, not only in teaching them the rules and the strategies, part of the problem is teaching these little ones how to learn how to take a hit um, you might imagine, uh, if you've ever played this sport, that it is quite um, a fearful thing to see another human being charging at you whose sole goal is to take you down. Um, and one of, the, one of the primary problems that we would have is that as kids would be um, receiving a tackle, they instinctively would, they would kind of recoil in, in this like self-preservation. They, instead of putting their helmet down, instead of putting their pads down, they would pull up. And in doing so, they would actually reveal the most vulnerable part of them and pow, take a brutal hit. So what we had to do was teach them how to use the equipment that they had been given because it was that equipment that was going to help them. Uh, Every now and then, one of the kids would forget their cleats, and sure enough, they'd be slipping and sliding all over the grass. Well, the cleats are given to you to equip you to do what you need to do on the field. The shoulder pads are given to you to equip you to do what you need to do to take a hit and to make hits. And, And, you know, when they would learn to embrace that which they were equipped with, they were fine. They had fun. You have been equipped. God has equipped you for a task. Our problem is, sometimes it's scary. Sometimes, in order to live as a Christian in a world and around a people who are opposed to the rule of Jesus Christ, who is king of kings, sometimes it can be scary. And rather than lean into the hit, rather than lean upon that which God has equipped us for, sometimes we recoil back and and invariably what happens is our fears have been realized and we can get discouraged very easily. I want to thank you for um, continuing with me in this study that I've entitled Do Good. Uh, There's a reason why this needs to be emphasized every, every Sunday. The challenge for us through the year 2021 and into 2022 is to seek to make replication of God's people, advancement, multiplication to our neighbors, to those who need to repent of their sins and find hope in Jesus Christ. Boy, that's hard to do. I think, I think we can pay attention to a strategy that God has given us, though, which is that the good news of the gospel is always intrinsically linked with good works, with displays of service and help. 
And God has equipped you to do it. Now, we're, we're coming to an end of this series. Today is going to be pr- probably the last um, n- new information, our, our last full uh, exposure to look into God's word and to uncover another component of how we are uh, both called and equipped by God to do good. Um, I, I want to see if next Sunday we can do kind of like a summary and, and wrap it up and kind of just get our arms around once more this great privilege that it is to be called into kingdom service for Jesus Christ. But today's message is called Equipped. And that's what we're going to examine. We're going to look at just one verse primarily in the book of Ephesians. If you have your Bibles, I'd ask you to take them out with me. Ephesians chapter 2, only in verse 10. However, I do want us to get our bearings. We'll look at a little bit of the context. But here's our plan for this morning. We're going to look into verse 10 and see that there are five primary observations from the text that need to be embraced. As we do look through these five observations, I want to make, po- I want to make a point so that you're watching for it. Two of the five are purpose-driven. That means they're really important. These are the ones that really require our attention because they answer the question, why have we been equipped? And one of them, in my study of it this week, I am, I am humbled to say I, I have missed. In the years of my study of God's word, the Lord showed me something new this week that I would venture to say might also be new for you. And it has to do with the last of these two purpose statements. So just as a, as a heads up, that's where we're going to go and look through a few observations with the unique challenge for this morning. Ephesians chapter 2. Um, I'll read verse 10 and then we'll get some context. Paul says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I know you've probably heard this verse before. Um, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 are really the Protestant rally cry to defend justification by faith alone. Uh, it's where we turn to regularly in our, our, uh, our firm stance on knowing that it is not by your merit, it is not by my merit that I find satisfaction with God. It is through the blood of Jesus. Amen? It's through the blood of Jesus alone. And so let's just see as Paul recounts that. If you go back with me just a little bit, uh, start with me in verse 6 and let's get our bearings here. Paul says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Here we go, verse 10. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works, which God prepared in advance or beforehand for us to do. All right, a couple of observations here as we seek to understand and apply God's word under our lives. Number one is this. All credit, all glory, all of it belongs to God. All credit, all glory, all of it belongs to God. Now that's, that's easy to say. Sometimes we don't always live in that way. But it's something we need to be reminded of. I want to I point out a beautiful word that uh, Paul uses here in verse 10. Look with me once more. He says, For we are God's 
Workmanship. That word workmanship, it, it, it's a Greek word that's used to describe a work of art. Imagine a beautiful painting. Uh, imagine a, um, a Thomas Kincaid or a Norman Rockwell or the Mona Lisa, if you like that sort of thing. Whatever, the, whatever you can envision is just a beautiful work of art. That's the word Paul is using here to describe who? Uh, yeah, me, you. You are this beautiful fresca, this beautiful artistic expression that has been created by who? has been created by God. I think if you and I, we could probably just end the sermon right there. In some ways, I feel like if we just dwell upon that, I think the implications of it, if we really let the, the outflow of just dwelling on and letting, man, I am, I am created in Christ Jesus. I am God's artistry. I am God's symphony. I have been made by God to display his glory. I should probably live in, a, in such a way then that I display that property, don't you, properly, don't you think? This is one place where I find um, uh, the, the teaching of uh, neo-Darwinistic evolution so insulting. Um, a, and I don't want to get lost on a rabbit trail here, but just think, if everything happened by accident, if that's the result of everything, wouldn't that be as equally offensive to look at a beautiful painting and be like, happened by accident, someone must have spilled the paint. Right? Look, look, look at what was created. Instead of, in, instead of recognizing the artistry and the intentionality of how the designer has made you. That's the word here. And when we truly understand that, when you embrace that, you don't think highly of yourself. You think highly of the artist. The, the, the pot doesn't say, look at me, look how awesome I am. Right? Because the wonder of the clay that has been fashioned does not speak to the clay, but speaks to the artistry of the potter. We already covered this verse. I want to show it to us one more time out of Romans 11. It says, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. This, uh, this teaches us that as we begin here, we must understand what Paul intends us to understand, which is you are a work of art. God's work of art. Let me, let me press one more thing there carefully. Not just a work of art, but did you hear what I said? God's work of art. That's a, it's a possessive there. It's showing that you actually belong to somebody else. So not only have you been fearfully and wonderfully made, not only have you been designed for a purpose, but you belong to the artist. He has commission over you. What this means is that salvation is not of human origin. Salvation is not of human works. All credit, all glory, all of it belong to God. All right, number two, if you are in Christ, then guess what? You are a new creation. So again, I'm going to look back into the text in verse 10, for we are God's workmanship. And then we have this beautiful verb, created in Christ Jesus. This also is amazing for you and I to dwell upon. You are a new type of creation. Think with me what your life was like before Jesus. Think, think of the direction of your life. Think of the values of your life. Think of that which you spent your money and your time and your energy pursuing. And now think of what it means to belong to Jesus. And the difference that you see in your life. And do you know why that is? Because something new is there. Something is new that wasn't there before. 
There's something new that has been created. We have this beautiful verse out of 2 Corinthians. I know you've heard it before. It's probably up my top five favorite verses. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. Amen. The new has come. And so we have the same word used here. In fact, in verse 10, the word that's most often used to speak of God's creative action in creation. When God actually forms and creates in the New Testament, that verb is this verb. You are created. That means there's something new that wasn't there before. Uh, I have in the back of our yard a little rhubarb patch. And uh, this past week, we, we went back there to make sure we didn't mow it down like last year. And uh, just identifying the little leaves growing. And they're, no, I mean, nothing's tall enough yet for a rhubarb pie. But let me tell you something strawberry rhubarb pie is coming. It's coming. Uh, if you uh, know anything about rhubarb, though, rhubarb tastes disgusting. <laughs> That's not only disgusting, it's actually poisonous. Not sure if you knew that. Um, the leaves of a rhubarb plant have a kind of acid in them that will l- likely cause uh, vomiting, diarrhea, if you were to ingest or eat one of the leaves. But do you know what an artist can do? An artist like my wife, who's an amazing baker... She can take something that would otherwise be disgusting and she can transform it into something new. This is what God has done with you. Your life without Christ is like a toxic rhubarb leaf. It will not bring life. It will bring vomiting. It will, it will not bring pleasure. It will bring diarrhea. That is what your life... <laughs> I should stick to the notes here. <laughs> Your life without Jesus, even your acts of righteousness before God, he says, are filth. It's filthy rags. And you know what God does? God, like an artist, can go into that weed patch with something otherwise just to be mowed down because it's toxic. And he he can trim it and he can mix it up just the right way. So now it's something delicious. Now it's something wonderful. I'm really hungry for some strawberry rhubarb pie now. I, I kind of am. That, that's, that's what's meant to be conveyed in this point. Because if you are in Christ, you're brand new. You're not what you were. You're something delicious now. Now, here, now let me go on to the next point because I'm going to carry the rhubarb pie into the next point as well. God's work is meant to be displayed. What, what's the purpose of a rhubarb pie? Yes, ma'am. Yes, it's made to be enjoyed. It's made to be devoured. That's what it's made for. You, your and my lives, what, what we are put on earth for is not to just sit in, a, in, the, in the cupboard, not just to sit on a shelf somewhere. It's made to be displayed. And this is why when Paul says in, in verse 10, we're God's workmanship. We've been created in Christ for what? Here's our first purpose. Do you see what it says? Someone read what you have there. What's it say? To do good works. Uh, li- literally in the Greek, it means for good works. That's what you're created for. That's the workmanship of God. Nobody nobody paints a a beautiful painting and then rolls it up and sticks it in a drawer. Nobody makes a a delicious pie and then covers it up and and leaves it. You you know, Jesus understood the same analogy. Uh, let Let me give you his words. Matthew 5, key verse through our entire study. Jesus says, You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden, 
Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That is the purpose of God's workmanship in your life. That is the purpose of God's new creation to make something lovely and tasty out of something that was toxic. So God's work is meant to be displayed. Fourthly, God has a grace plan from beginning until end. Now, I, I, I pick this one specifically for where we find it in the letter to the Ephesian church. Uh, one of the things that Paul wants to convince the church in Ephesus of is that God has got a plan before you had a plan. God knew what was going to happen before you had any clue what was going to happen. He, he's got a game plan that he actually started before time. But before there was anything that was set in motion, God said, I, I got a plan. I got a plan for this person. And we, we see this. In fact, if you go back to chapter one, and I have it here on the screen, uh, early in Paul's message to convince the church that salvation is from God, he says these words in chapter one, four and six. He says, for God, he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sonship through Christ Jesus in accordance with his pleasure and will. So who's got the plan, you or me? Uh, that's a trick question. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, God, God's got the plan. Yeah, uh, you and I aren't the ones setting the agenda here. God is. And it starts with salvation, which is why, as I put this observation on the screen, his grace plan, because it's of grace, is from beginning all the way to the end. I want to make sure you guys catch this because this is where I think the Christian living, Christian life message gets a little burdensome for us. Let me tell you what it's not. It's not that God picked you like NFL draft and he's looking saying, oh, man, let me get Peggy. I put her on the team. I lost with Bruce. He's on the team. Right? This is, God, God isn't picking you and then like, no, go. Good luck. Figure it out. Get busy. I, I picked you now. That's not how it works. It's not like the work that God wants you to do is something that depends on you to create. In fact, look with me again one more time in verse 10. He says, we're God's workmanship, creating Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared beforehand or which God prepared in advance. The very work that he wants you to do, he graciously has set up for you. It's, it's just for you now to walk in it. That's it. You and I would be receiving abuse in our Christian life if we think that somehow, and I'm afraid this gets taught this way occasionally, that it, that it depends on you. So go get busy. It doesn't depend on you. God's the one who sets that up beforehand. In fact, if you're not walking in what he has set up, you're kind of doing it wrong. Um, when I was on the mission field, uh, we would serve churches that would come for a week on a short-term missions trip. They would gather those in their church that were excited to go overseas and serve. And I, as a, as a permanent fixture, as a missionary there, my job was to receive them. So as they came, and they, they got there through raising support, um, 
What I did on my end was make sure that their week of service was completely set up. And so I knew how many people were coming ahead of time. I knew the skill level of the people, whether it was a youth group or whether I had um, actual contractors who were skilled in plumbing and electricity. I knew who was coming. I knew how long they had. And before they ever touched down on the island, I would have I purchased the lumber and I had it all laid out. I had the nails all laid out. I had the cement mixer all laid out. I had the cement truck on hold ready to deliver. I had everything ready to go. Do you know what they had to do? Show up. They had to show up. They didn't have to worry about buying nails. They didn't have to worry about making sure there was gas in the generator. All of it was ready to go. All they needed to do was be willing and excited and ready to serve because I had equipped them for the work. In fact, I knew what they were capable of doing and it was all ready to go. It's the same for you and I. God has called you, chosen you. You have arrived and now it's not up to you. He's prepared. He has gone ahead of you to prepare the works for which you get to walk in, knowing what you are good at and what you're not good at, so that he doesn't take a fourth grader and put him on a cement mixer, right? God's not going to do something like that. He's not going to put you in a position where you will end up in your own strength. He's going to give you opportunity to function through his spirits leading through the strength that he provides. So God has a grace plan, not just a plan. It's a grace plan. It's done for you. And it's not just from beginning saying, I saved you by grace. Now figure it out. But it's from beginning all the way to the end. All right. We only have one more clause to work through here. And it's our final. It's our second purpose statement. Good works are received by following God's plan. All right. That might sound simple. I got to. I got to ask some patience for my, my, my KISS people here. Do you know what KISS stands for? Keep it simple, silly. Yeah, you know what it stands for, right? Keep, just, keep it simple. Let me complicate it for you just for a second here. Because as you look back in verse 10, we read it in English slightly different than how it's written in Greek. And this for me was brand new. I, I was... I was I was surprised as I was studying this this week to find that there was an entire clause that I was unaware of in Greek. Because when I read it in English, I just skip right over it. I just whoop right past it without ever actually understanding what Paul means in his last statement. So of the five clauses, verse 10, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared beforehand And then this last one, which in English just says four words for us to do, for us to do. That's all it says. Just do it. Don't make it hard, pastor. Keep it simple. It's not that simple. It's not just, it's not just do it. If you were to read this in the original language, it's, it's speaking of a transformed obedience that that which he has prepared for you beforehand means You now get to do it in the way he's designed it. But we don't get that in English. In English, it just says for us to do. Yeah, not your way. It's not just go get busy and do it. It's doing it after following the way he's designed. There's a unique Greek word here called, I apologize for using Greek in Sunday, but too bad. You got to hear it. All right, peripateo. Let's say that together. Ready? Peripateo. It means 
It means to walk, but it, it, the, the word meaning to walk, it means circumspectly walking. Let me give you the definition. I wrote it down here. It says to live or behave in a customary manner with possible focus on continuity of action. All right, that's what the word means. So it doesn't mean you just go after it however you feel like going after it. It means you actually now change who you once were, and now you pursue obedience to characterize your life with continuity. Now, you can't tell me that's more complicated than just do it. It is. It is more complicated. I want to make sure that the church understands that if we're going to obey God's word, it's not just that you've been equipped, but you've got to use, you got to use it the right way. I mean, I got fifth graders out there wearing helmets and pads, using them the wrong way. Now, you've been equipped by God, but you need to make sure that you are properly using it in accordance to how he has designed it. So we see this as it unfolds. It's the same word that's earlier in chapter 2. You can look there in your Bible in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 2. I have it here on the screen. I'll read it for you. Paul says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you follow. That's the same verb. Peripateo means to walk. How did, I, how did I used to walk? Well, I used to walk in the ways of this world. How did you used to walk? I used to walk after the ruler of the kingdom of the air. That's the devil, the evil one. How did I used to live my life? I used to live my life after the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. That's how I used to live my life. God doesn't say, I've saved you, now just keep doing whatever you were doing. No. He says, you have to change how you walk and how you think and how you act. Let me talk about my dad for a moment. Um, I remember a time where uh, after he, uh, he my, dad, my dad died from Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS, and it was a slow paralysis that began in his, his ankle, his foot, right? And it kind of worked its way up the rest of the body so that he couldn't walk anymore. And then from there on, everything else kind of went downhill. But as he was in the wheelchair, I remember, I remember him saying, hey, Ryan, you know what? I used to get really irritated at the handicapped parking spaces at the store. I used to really just, those guys would, would burn my biscuits, as my wife says. Like, just, make, just really make me frustrated, right? Because it seemed like as you looked around, you saw people who really could make it, but nope, they got to be in the handicap and taking their time and making problems for the rest of us. And what he said was, now that he was one of them, his whole perspective changed. His whole, his whole outlook, the way, the way he thought about himself and his interaction with the world completely changed. So that now instead of irritation, do you know what he felt to those people? He felt compassion to them. There, there was a way that he used to live. And then something new happened. And his whole life changed. His whole perspective now changed as to how he saw those people. Look, the same is true for you and I. If you are God's workmanship. If you're his artistry. If you're brand new creation. Tasty and delicious. If you're made to be put on display and God, in fact, has already laid out for you all that you get to do, you now get to do it in obedience to the way he wants you to do it. Four little English words for us to do. They need to be unpacked a little bit more because it's not just doing them. It's doing it the way that we're supposed to do it. And that's why I've listed it uh, with this conclusion in your sermon notes. You'll see it right at the very top Uh, It's the first sentence there. God has equipped you to display his gracious plan through your life.
This is what God has done. All right, before we, before we move into some conclusions, I want to read for you a story that Jesus gives about equipping. I'd, I'd love it if you turn there with me. It's Matthew chapter 25. And, and um, Lord willing, we're going to continue from here next week as we wrap up our Do Good series. Matthew 25. Starting in verse 14, 14, 14, page 14, 14 in the Pew Bibles. If you have a heading there, it might say the parable of the talents. Now, we, we use the word talent today to refer to somebody who's able to jump really high or sing beautifully, right? They have a, they have a talent. Well, in, in Jesus's day, a talent stood for um, a, a sum of money that was determined by weight. Uh, many thousands of dollars would be respective of a talent, even though uh, commentators don't know exactly how much that is. Uh, it's, it, what it is, it's a, it's a full summation of money determined by weight. It's a large amount of money, so let's settle on that for now. I know you've heard this before, but I'm going to read through it, and I want us to think through the implications of how God equips. And where, what I really want you to do is I want you to pay attention to one guy in particular and what he says about Jesus, and then we're going to work through some conclusions. Matthew 25, Jesus says, starting in verse 14, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one, he gave five talents of money. To another, two talents. And to another, one talent, according, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come, share in your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him. Give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and 
will, he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, that got serious real quick at the end. Um, this, this is one place uh, preachers and churches, we don't like to hear about hell. We really don't. Um, uh, if you're going to understand God correctly, it begins with the fear of the Lord. So what God decides in God's judgment, you and I best get in line with it, whether you like it or not. But really, that's not the focus of what I want to look at. Instead, what I want us to see here are conclusions that we can draw both from Ephesians 2.10 and this story of how God is the one who equips for service. First conclusion is this. Number one, everything that you have is from God. So preposition that we're starting with here is the word from. Everything you have is from God. In fact, if you think of the parable of the talents, the guy with five got them from where? Did he grow them on his own? Was he born with them? No. He got them from his master. How about the guy with two? Where'd he get his? He bought them off a bum? What did he do? No. Got them from the master. They came directly from God. In fact, even the guy with one received them from God. Now, we've seen this already in Romans 11. We'll look at it again. It was our New Testament reading that Bonnie read for us. I want to show you in, in Hebrews 13 the same doxological statement to be true. The writer of Hebrews says this. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back, brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Where is the equipping coming from here? He's gonna, equipping actually comes from God. I want to give you some verses for this. I, I want to take a minute and just kind of saturate your understanding because this, this is such an important message that we understand everything you have does not belong to you. Everything you have has been given to you by God. So 2 Corinthians 9.8, Paul says... And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. Second Peter, at the very beginning of the chapter, Peter writes, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through the knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. And then one that I know that you're familiar with, Philippians 4.13, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. So let's begin here. All that you and I have is from God. The talents that we read about the parable, they were given from God. There's three ways that I want, I want you to see this as applicational in your life. How has God equipped you today? The pads, the cleats, the gloves, the helmet. How, how has he done it? Number one is this, through his word. Number one, God equips you through his word. Good Sunday for you and I to remember to dust off those Bibles, get them out regularly. Feed yourself upon his word. What do you call somebody who doesn't eat? There's a lot of words you could use to describe that person, isn't there? Hungry, uh, sick, uh, foolish, uh, right? What would you call the person who doesn't feed themselves off of God's word? Hopefully hungry, maybe foolish, or worse, maybe they're sick. God wants to equip you 
through your word. Here's a beautiful passage. Paul says to young Timothy, this comes from 2 Timothy 3. He says, but as for you, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you've learned it and how from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every do good, every good work. Here, right in, the, right in the middle is where I want you to see it. The scriptures are what? They're able. They're able to make you wise. So number one, when we're talking about what God has given us, it starts with his word. Secondly is this, his spirit his spirit will equip you. This great passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says, Now to each one is given a manifestation of the spirit. Why? To do good. <laughs> I, I, I want to make sure you guys see, like, I'm, I'm not making this up. I'm just reading God's word to you. Um, if you want to be equipped to be able to do good, to receive that from God, which equips you, number one, his word, number two, his spirit, and number three, his church. I think there's, there is within our tradition, the world that you live in, the world that I grew up in, church kind of is just this thing you do on Sunday. It's totally not. Church is just this building where they're needing to replace the gutters or, you know, or do whatever, right? No, it's not a place. The church is a people who belong to God. And God is equipping those people by the church. So a little further in Ephesians, Ephesians 4, we have this passage. So Christ himself gave, so where's this coming from? Coming from Christ, right? Gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor, teachers. Why? To equip his people. For what? Is it sounding repetitive here, folks, right? To equip, to do good, to do good works so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of God. So three ways in which all of it starts from God. All that you have comes from God and he's equipping you in three ways, through his word, through his spirit, and through his church. Secondly, through is our preposition. God has chosen to work through you. Do you remember the story of the talents? The guy with five turned it into ten. The guy with two turned it into four. But the guy with one, he showed up. And do you remember the accusation he gave to the master? I, I was afraid of you because you're a hard man. Here was the accusation. You, you harvest from where you have not scattered seed. The, the accusation is this guy who's, who's, who's giving these talents, he ain't working himself. He's making us work, and then he's taking what comes from us. That's what this servant is thinking. The, 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 the real accusation, the reason why this servant stuck it in the ground is because he wanted to thwart from the master any return because he thinks this guy is just stealing from the people who are actually doing the work. He's, he's right. Let me shock you this morning. If you're, if you're still in Matthew, I just want to go back to it one more time. I want you to see how Jesus, from the perspective of the master, replies to this servant. He says in verse 24, 
Then, uh, no, I got a uh, verse 26. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. And then he says, well, then you should at least brought it to the bank so I would have gotten interest. Right. If even you knew that's how I operate. You knew that was my M.O. It's true. God could come down to earth and he could share the message of the gospel. Right. Is that possible? Could Jesus walk around the street saying, hey, repent of your sins. Find forgiveness in me. He totally could do that. But he doesn't. Do you know who he asks to do that? Us. He asks us to do that job. And this, this whole do good series is designed so that you begin to develop bridges to your neighbor to share that message with them by serving them, by loving them. Do you know how hard it is to give a gift? Ain't hard. It's not hard to just show someone you love them. To do something kind, that's not hard to do. And the more you and I build relational credibility with our, with our family members, with our, with our co-workers, with those who don't know Jesus, the easier it will be to scatter those seeds. You know, Sam had a great message this morning for the kids. The seed doesn't come from them. It's given to them. They plant it, Right? And then that seed in the ground through the nourishment of the soil and the sun and the water, it grows to produce something beautiful. That work God desires to do through you. God wants to work through you. Yeah, you might think, well, God ought to roll up his sleeves and come do the work himself. Why does he ask me to do that job? Because here's the beauty of what God knows. The more you and I do that, the more we actually receive the blessing. Do you remember the story? Five talents was given, but what was harvested? There was five more. There's, there's now doubled. Right? The, there was actually a blessing that was received by the worker. Same with the guy with two. So anyways, I, I wanted you to see how, number one, everything comes from God. But number two, God wants to work through you. And that was the exact accusation as to why this one last servant didn't want to do anything. Because he'd rather God do the work himself. So here, take what's yours. And I only envision him like kicking the talent back to the master's feet. You, you want to harvest so bad? You do the work for it. Yeah, wicked and lazy servant. Um, you are cast out. All right, lastly is this. Two is our preposition. All that you have will be returned to God. I want you to think about that. Let that dwell on that for a moment. All that you have will be returned to God. Second Peter teaches us that right now God is patient with you because he's reserving the world for destruction by fire. So if your efforts in this life are materialized with houses, you know what's going to happen to those houses? They're going to burn. If your efforts in this life are materialized with pontoon boats and vehicles, you know what's going to happen to those? It's all going to burn. And, and this is of God's design. It will be returned to him on that day. If you and I have stored up our treasures on earth where thieves can steal, where rust can destroy and moths can eat, you will have very little on that day when it's returned to God. But if instead you are working and endeavoring for that which does not spoil or fade. The souls of these eternal neighbors of ours, family members, who God loves and longs to see come to faith in him, you will have that treasure forever. 
And the work that you do unto that end will last. It won't be burned up by the fire. Everything will be returned to God in the end. Here's a passage from 2 Corinthians. Paul says, so we make it our goal to please him, whether we're at home in the body or away, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Think back with me on the parable. Matthew 25. Master shows up. Look, look. You gave me five? I made five. And what's the master say? Well done. Come, receive, join in your master's happiness. Like that, that's the blessing. That's what you'll get to receive. That's the judgment for you and I as believers who seek to honor God and serve him and do good. It's a day of reward. But it's also a day of judgment for those who don't, who buried in the dirt. I don't want this. I didn't ask for this. Why'd you give me this? I was fine. I was totally fine minding my own business. Why did you give me anything? Well, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. I want to show you this as we're concluding our, uh, finishing up our conclusions. One more time to Bonnie's passage that she read. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. And then this verse again, the, the second doxological verse, Hebrews 13. Now may the God of peace equip you, that's, that's from, with everything good for doing his will, that he may work in us, that's through, what is pleasing to him, through, literally says right there, Jesus Christ. And what was the last conclusion? Two. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So let, let's, let's think about this for a moment. As you and I understand, as we're wrapping up this series on do good, understand all of it comes from God. God gave it to you to work through you so that everything in return gets offered back to him. That's, the, that's it. That's the whole thing. City on a hill can't be hidden. Nobody lights a lamp. Covers it up. God's, God has equipped you to be put on display. Nobody bakes a raspberry Strawberry, rhubarb, multi-berry pie. Nobody makes it just to sit there. So, so what do we do with this? This is my question. How has God equipped you? If you have your bulletins, now's the time I'd like you to take them out. Hopefully you have a beautiful colored card. Oh. Penny, I don't know if you see any in the back there. Maybe we have some left over still. If there's, if there's folks listening on Zoom and, and you'd like one of these, I think we might have some left here at church. We got 80 of these. So 80 of them. I'd like you to open it. And you will see a little opportunity that has been put into your hands. Check out what I got. Oh, hold on. Before you get excited, let me explain what's going on here. You, you've been given a gift card. Everybody in church today has been given something. This is, this is a parallel. This is for applicational use for you and I as we understand in the same way that God is the one who gives. It's from him. This is not from you. I want you to think of this as being from God. They're not the same. If you take a little glance your neighbor and see which ones they got it it's going to look different than the one that you got that's the same thing that it was 
um, in the parable of the talents. God gave, or the master here gave each according to his ability. Now, the amounts are not the same on these either. Some of them are $20, some are $15, and some are $10. Here is the challenge. As I've told you many times here, as we started 2021, the, the grace excursion is to pray for three people, to find a prayer partner to help you because you can't do it alone, and then for one person that God would put on your heart that you would be given the opportunity to bless. This is your talent. This is what I want to challenge you to use to bless somebody with. Now, just a couple of, couple of things with this. Um, in, in the parable, you'll see that it was multiplication, right? They turned $10 or, or, or five talents into 10 talents. You might be thinking, eh, I'm going to go buy some scratchers with this. That's how I'm going to get that. I'm a, I'll show a pastor right now. Nope, nope, that's not the idea. I... I don't want you thinking about multiplication, that you've got to double this, right? Here, here's how to double it, right? On the, very, on the very least you could do is re-gift it. That's the very least you could do. And, and maybe you're the type of person who's a little more introverted, and you're like, I don't know if I really want to participate in this. I'm just going to give it to somebody. Fine. That's, that's the least that you can do. But I bet, I bet, if you thought, how can God use me? at this tiny little token, this tiny little fish and loaves right here, to multiply it? You know what? I bet I can get some potted plants with this. I bet I can get some outdoor plants with this, and I bet I could bring that to my neighbor, maybe some annuals, right, so that every year there's this reminder. And now I've turned something that was just $15 into an annual type of a... Did I get that right, Peggy? Perennial? Did I screw that up last week too? I looked it up online. I totally looked it up, and I... Get it right. Thank you. Perennial. Y'all knew what I meant. It's a great Sunday for me up here. <clears throat> I bet that you can multiply it in creative ways. If you, if you got a Walmart one, maybe you could buy some hot dogs and, or some brats and buns. Right? Get the barbecue grill out and call your neighbor over. Just, hey, we're having a little, having a little get-together. You'd be willing to come have some burgers with us. Right? Think of how you can take this little something and you can multiply it to be a blessing. That's the challenge to you today. Um, I, I also want you to know that you, some people here are like, I know right now what I'm going to do with it. I got 600 ideas. Um, and then others, others don't know. And that's okay. I, I want you to know that you can take time on this. This is not for you to go buy scratchers. This is not for you to go, you know, uh, upgrade whatever it is. This is for you to be a blessing to somebody. And with that... Think of how closely God would be working through you because he's equipped you. He has done it. It's his grace plan from beginning to end. Let's pray.